The scripture we'll be looking at this morning comes from John chapter 12. I want to go ahead and share that with you now and you can ponder on it as we continue through our worship time. John 12, beginning at verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We heard the scripture earlier about the dinner given in Jesus' honor, about Mary pouring out expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus, about Judas objecting, and Jesus saying, it's okay, leave her alone. This was supposed to be. What a contrast there is in this story. One example of extravagant sacrifice to honor Jesus, to express love to Jesus, and one example of extreme selfishness, which we won't spend a lot of time on, but Judas modeled that. The setting is a dinner in honor of Jesus. So we know this was designed to be all about Jesus, about celebrating and honoring him. Most of the people there apparently were only ready to go so far in that honoring of Jesus. I mean, it must have been kind of like maybe some worship services are. We come to honor and worship Jesus, but we don't want to get too carried away, right? We don't expect anyone around us to get too extreme. We don't expect to look over at somebody and go, what are they thinking? So this was one of those kind of events. People come to celebrate and honor Jesus, but people don't get carried away now. Well, Mary did get carried away. She went all out in honoring and celebrating Jesus. In fact, she was totally extravagant in her expression of love 
for her Lord. It seems like she may have had some sense of urgency, the, the, the awareness that the time to honor Jesus in this way was limited. Even just a few days before the crucifixion, she may not have fully understood that the cross was coming within a week. But she did seem to know somehow that the time was coming close. She had heard phrases the people around her had heard words from Jesus like these in John chapter 10. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Now, even if Mary and Martha hadn't been around to hear Jesus speak those words themselves, they were close enough to the people who were with Jesus most of the time. They were a part of that inner crowd, I guess, that hung around with Jesus a lot. I mean, and, and you know how it is when there's a, a close group of people who do life together, who live most of their lives together, you share everything with each other. So in all likelihood, Mary had heard where things were heading and heard that Jesus had made multiple statements about giving his life. So I would suggest to you that they had at least some sense that their time with Jesus may be limited. It seems that for Mary, this dinner set up to honor Jesus was the perfect time for her to express her own love for him. It was her way of expressing honor, thanks, and love to Jesus. The scripture says, Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. This was an extravagant offering she shared with Jesus. In fact, just a few seconds later, in, as Judas is objecting, he says, what is she thinking? That stuff that she just poured out on Jesus' feet was worth an entire year's wages. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that there's really perfume that costs an entire year's wages. So out of curiosity, I looked. I googled it. The most expensive perfume out there is called Clive Christian Number no. One Imperial Majesty Perfume. With a name like that, it it better be good, right? Well, it is. It costs. $12,721 per ounce. Holy moly. <laughs> so she poured out a pint. So a pint of something at that cost is a little over $200,000. Um, not that the scripture says Mary used the most expensive in the world at that time, but a year's wages is how much this gift was considered to be worth. Pretty extreme gift, huh? We might even say extravagant. But doesn't our Lord deserve extravagant 
love? Doesn't our God deserve extreme expressions of worship and praise? Doesn't Jesus deserve something more special, more sacrificial than what we might offer to other people for whom we go to a dinner to honor in other occasions? This is what Mary offered to Jesus. Extravagant love. Extravagant worship. But you know, if we choose to honor Jesus extravagantly and worship extravagantly, it might draw unexpected responses from people around us. Look at how Judas responded to Mary's offering of love. Why was this perfume, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. It's as if he were saying, she just wasted it all. Of course, these verses tell us he wasn't all that much concerned about the cost of it other than let's put it in the treasury where I can use it to pad my own pockets. I wonder what would happen if we choose expressions of honoring and worshiping Jesus that are that extreme, that are extravagant worship for the Lord. How many people would, would be thinking something like, um, you're getting a little carried away there, Phil. Wait, isn't, isn't that a bit extreme? Don't you know what that looks like to other people around you? I wonder, would we get responses like that if we chose to worship extravagantly? How many times is our response to Jesus, our expression of love and worship for the Lord, affected by what other people might think? How does their response, or at least the way we think they might respond, impact our celebration of Jesus as Lord and Savior? Does it make us do certain things because that's what's expected and that's the way we do it? Does it make us not do certain things because, oh, I might make people uncomfortable um, they might look at me strangely. So we do certain things and we don't do certain things because that's the normal. When's the last time we worshipped extravagantly? Doesn't Jesus, who offered us extravagant grace, doesn't Jesus deserve extravagant expressions of love and worship from us. Jesus tried to help them understand how special this act of extravagancy was. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor, but you will not always have me. She had done something that gave Jesus one more opportunity to let people know what was coming soon. Of course, we know that was the cross, which we focus on during this season of Lent. The coming sacrifice of his life would be an even more extravagant gift than what Mary had offered. His death on the cross would bring us this amazing gift of God's grace. The most extravagant gift of all. Did you notice 
the setting for this extravagant expression of love, it seems like it's at least possible that Mary and Martha and Lazarus had a lot to do with this. Like maybe even they, they were the host family. Because we see Martha is serving, Lazarus is at the table almost as if he's the host. And there were others who had come there at their invitation. We know they came to be with Jesus. But what we also see is they came not only because of Jesus, but, because, but to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. They were drawn to Jesus, but also drawn to Lazarus, whom Jesus had brought back to life. The experience of Lazarus with Jesus was drawing other people to Christ. I wonder... Is that the case with us? Is our experience with Jesus drawing others to him? I know most of us have not been brought back from the dead. But I also know there are people in this church whose lives have been saved by miraculous answers to prayer. Maybe you're one of those people, undoubtedly, You're some of those people who prayed those prayers to which God responded. And now there are stories of life-saving, miraculous answers to prayer as God worked in those situations. But even those who haven't had life-saving experiences with Jesus have multiple reasons to celebrate who Jesus is in our lives. Is our celebration of Jesus extravagant enough? Is it pure enough? Is it genuine enough to make people want to come and spend time with Jesus? Is our worship of the Lord who changed our lives unique, powerful, special enough to draw people to Christ? I mean, wouldn't this season of Lent be a great time for us to decide that we want to have our experience of Jesus be so extreme that it draws people to him? We can't do that. The question is, will we? Do we? But if we do, we need to understand not everybody's going to be super excited. Did you hear the last part of that passage of scripture we read, the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Probably not the response Lazarus and his sisters expected. His life had become a living witness to the power of Jesus and people wanted to kill him because of it. But of course, that kind of thing doesn't happen today, does it? It does, actually. I read a couple places this week. Uh, In particular, the 2021 World Watch List, which is an annual report from Open Doors Ministry, that every day, every day, 13 Christians around the world are killed because of their faith. That's over 4,700 a year people threatening and 
taking lives of those who are living faithfully for Jesus. I also saw that every day, every day, 12 churches are attacked. 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned. Another five are abducted every day simply by living boldly for the cause of Christ. Living out their faith, expressing extravagant love for the Lord in such a way it draws attention. Now, not everyone is going to be thrilled if we choose to follow Jesus in extreme ways. Everyone won't understand a life of extravagant worship to honor Christ. It won't even make sense to some people. Probably we won't have our lives threatened, but it could impact relationships, jobs, school, community. If we truly honor and celebrate Jesus, giving Christ credit and glory for bringing us to life spiritually in just as much of a real way as he brought Lazarus back to life physically, people will be drawn to Christ because of our experience, because of our story of Christ in our lives, but others may reject us and reject the story and reject our faith in him. So the question then at this point is, are we willing to take the risk? Are we willing to take the risk of living boldly for Christ? Are we willing to risk extravagantly loving our Lord in such a way that it draws people's attention to the object of our love, Christ Jesus? Are we ready to go extravagant? Or is routine normal? Is that, is that good enough? Are we ready to go extravagant? I believe our God deserves extravagant love and worship. This morning as we worship with our closing song, I want to encourage you to consider how we might step up in celebration and worship of Jesus. Not just, not just here, not just at 9.45 on Sunday morning or whatever time you might be here, not just at the time you sit down at home and watch this service on your phone or computer or TV, but every day, all day, throughout the week, our whole lives, wherever we are, whoever we are. As I've lived with this scripture this week, I've consistently felt a call to love extravagantly when it comes to loving and serving our Lord. Not only do I feel that call, I feel that call for the church. That we love extravagantly in response to that extravagant gift of grace which was made possible by the cross and the sacrificial love showed there. So, how about it, church? Let's go extravagant this week.
We have great love. Extravagant worship. Amazing honor to offer to the one who gives life and life eternal. Let's do that this week. Would you pray with me? God, sometimes we're willing to settle for ordinary, routine kind of uh, involvement in our relationship with you, in our, in our church stuff, and the lives that we live. But God, you deserve so much more than normal or routine or average. You deserve extravagant love. Extravagant worship. So Lord, help us to go extravagant. To live for you, to love for you. To serve you all because of our experience with you. And we pray, God, that as we live and love and serve extravagantly in the name of Christ that you would receive all the honor and glory. Give us the grace and strength to move to a level of extravagant love and worship this week and always. In Christ's name, amen.